Did you know that the Qin Dynasty only lasted for 15 years and that heavy rain helped wash it out completely? Episode 4, Destruction of Qin. Lose hearts, lose power. Hello, and welcome to Stuff You Missed in Chinese History. I'm Patrick Flannery. In the last episode, we talked about how the Qin conquered the other six warring states and unified China. Well, just 15 years after that victory, the Qin dynasty collapsed. Today, let's look at how the first emperor of the Qin lost power by losing the heart of his people. After unifying the country, the king of the Qin state, Ying Zheng, named himself Qin Shi Huang. It meant the first emperor of the Qin dynasty, and he assumed many emperors would follow. However, he could have never predicted that his dynasty would end during the reign of its second emperor. So what lit the fuse so quickly for the fall of this powerful dynasty? The main reason is the Chunxiong and Wu Guang uprising. It happened after the death of Qin Shi Huang and a mere 12 years after the dynasty began. One of the uprising's leaders, Chen Sheng, encouraged others to revolt by saying, People, People have been, been suffering, suffering the Qin for a long time. How did the words the Qin and the people become enemies? Well, first, let's look at how many changes happened after the Qin state became the Qin dynasty. The Qin was one of the seven strong and powerful major states during the Warring States period. But during the Qin dynasty, there was only one country. When there are many states or countries, citizens can relocate if they don't like the policies. But where can they move to when there's only one state or country? There's a story about Confucius that he once saw a woman from the Lu state crying at a grave. Confucius asked her, why are you crying? And she replied, because, because my, my father, father was killed by a tiger, and my husband was also killed by a tiger. Now my son has been killed by a tiger. I was crying for them. Confucius felt moved to ask, three generations of your family, all killed by tigers, why don't you move? The woman replied, there is no harsh government here, so I don't want to move, even if it is overrun with tigers. From this story, Confucius summarized, a harsh government is worse than a tiger. Why did Confucius, Mencius, and many other philosophers of the day try so hard to persuade all the kings to implement generous government orders and no harsh rules? If benevolent governance is good only for the people and not for the rulers, then kings will never fool around. Therefore, the purpose of a benevolent government is to recruit people. The scarcest resource at that time was people. Labor was needed to make and move materials. Civil servants were needed to build. Soldiers were needed to fight at war. Confucius also said that if you want to make your country strong, you have to practice benevolent governance. This way, many more people from other countries can be recruited to work and fight for your country. However, in a unified dynasty, harsh governance gave people no choice and nowhere to move. They had to just put up with it. When they could stand it no longer, they would rebel and rise up. So the Qin state and the Qin dynasty faced different environments, and the shortcomings of their harsh governance were exposed. You may wonder why the Qin state 
could rely on harsh governance to unify the country, but why it failed to work for the Qin dynasty? Originally, it had implemented a plundering economy, meaning that a Qin resident didn't have to farm or work. They needed only to take to the battlefield. According to the Qin state rules, so long as you have the enemy's head, you can earn money, food, and knighthood from the government. Therefore, prosperity was based on the plundering of the six other nations. After unification, who could they plunder next? Their own people, of course. Let's look at what Qin Shi Huang did after he unified the country. He used troops to fight two wars simultaneously within two years. He established the Great Wall, the Lingqiu Canal, and repaired roads across the country. He built the Upang Palace, the largest ever built, using more than a million recruited people. He also began to prepare his tomb, now known as the Terracotta Warriors and Horses of Qin Shi Huang in Xi'an, Shanxi province. In the process of building, every farmer in the Qin dynasty had to give two-thirds of his annual income to the government, as well as serve as a laborer. Under such oppression, the people suffered Qin for a long time. At the end of the last episode, we mentioned Lu Jia, a politician during the Western Han Dynasty. He said that an emperor can obtain land by war, but cannot use those methods to govern. But the Qin state, which relied on plundering others to thrive, could not rely on the same method to maintain long-term stability. We know the prosperity of the Qin dynasty was due to successful reform when it was the Qin state. The advantages of reform policies were practical and efficient, but there was a huge flaw. It lacked people-oriented thinking. In other words, it was not humane. It valued only the king and his governance, not the individual. It also relied on severe penalties to control society. For example, what caused Chen Sheng and Wu Guang to finally rebel? Well, they encountered heavy rain when they arrived in Daza village, which prevented them from reaching where they were going to serve on time. According to the law, no matter what the reason, even force majeure, you would be killed if you were late. Since they faced decapitation anyway, why not just fight back? The inflexible law spurred the people's resistance. Therefore, when persuading others to rebel, Chun Sheng embraced the antagonistic relationship between the people and the Qin regime. He said, the people have suffered under Qin long enough. Chun and Wu were then able to take the lead and lead the uprising against the Qin dynasty. After learning from the premature extinction of the Qin dynasty, its successor, the Han dynasty, adjusted its policies. It adapted according to circumstances and allowed the people to rehabilitate and rejuvenate, thus ensuring one of China's golden ages. Thank you for listening to Stuff You Missed in Chinese History. I'm Patrick Flannery. Come back and learn more.